The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, August 29th, 2022. Coming up this hour. A hawkish Federal Reserve continues to weigh on markets. Global stocks start the week at a one-month low. The yield on two-year treasuries hit a 15-year high. Congress weighs in with Elizabeth Warren saying the Fed will tip the economy into recession. And jobs are in focus as Wall Street braces for Friday's payrolls report. NASA's unmanned Artemis 1 space capsule is expected to blast off to the moon, plus you and nuclear watchdog monitors are on their way to Ukraine's power plant. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashower in sports. The Mets and the Yankees lost. The Jets beat the Giants. Rory McIlroy won the golf. And the U.S. Open begins today. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 601 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 36 points this morning. Down futures down 253. And NASDAQ futures down 137. 10-year Treasury down 1932 seconds. Yield 3.11%. And the yield on the two-year at 3.45%. Nathan. Karen, we're still feeling the impact of a hawkish Jay Powell this morning. Global stocks are at a one-month low. The last time we saw the yield on the two-year Treasury this level was 2007. This morning's slump follows the worst day for U.S. stocks since June 13th. The major indexes all fell at least 3%, with the Nasdaq plunging almost 4%. The catalyst for the sell-off, Chairman Powell signaling interest rates will stay higher for some time. Katrina L., senior economist at Moody's Analytics, says the Fed chair's comments have broad implications. It makes sense to say that U.S. recession odds have also increased because that laser-sharp focus on trying to bring down inflation is really the priority of the Fed at this point. And so as a consequence of that, I mean, domestic demand just really has to, to come down. Katrina L. with Moody's Analytics says the Fed is also uncomfortable with the current tightness in the labor market. $1.2 trillion in market value was wiped out on Friday. Well, Nathan, the strong message by Jay Powell and the Fed last week has some on Capitol Hill pushing back. Senator Elizabeth Warren says she's worried the central bank will tip the U.S. economy into recession. Do you know what's worse than high prices and a strong economy? It's high prices and millions of people out of work. I'm very worried that the Fed is going to tip this economy into recession. Senator Elizabeth Warren tells CNN she does not believe higher interest rates will curb current inflationary pressures. Jay Powell and the Fed get another key economic report to evaluate this week, Karen. On Friday, we see the August jobs report. Here with a preview is Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice. Economists say U.S. payroll growth moderated after scoring a July gain of more than a half million. Technology firms have been trimming payrolls and freezing hiring, but job openings continue at historic highs. 
The U.S. unemployment rate is also one of the lowest in decades. More numbers. This month's Conference Board Consumer Confidence Index could improve thanks to lower gasoline prices, while ISM data may show modest factory gains. Vinny Dow, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Well, the Wall Street sell-off is spreading overseas this Monday morning, and we begin our team coverage with Bloomberg's Danny Berger, who joins us live from London. Danny, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Yeah, European stocks continue to be under pressure for yet another trading day, down more than 1%, not too dissimilar from what we're seeing from U.S. equities. It's just continuing this risk asset pain as we digest a Fed Chair Jay Powell, who says that they are going to continue to have that restrictive policy stance for some time. Perhaps stocks didn't expect that. Maybe bonds did. Maybe that's why there was less movement on Friday. But today we are seeing stocks starting to join that sell-off two-year yields. Those are higher by about seven basis points, uh, the highest since 2007. Also, under pressure, some of the currencies with a very strong dollar, euro dollar, that's below parity. The pound, that's down half a percent. So really, that desire for havens means the only thing we're really buying today is the dollar. The one spot, perhaps, where there isn't pain, UK markets, UK stocks are closed with a bank holiday taking place throughout the country today. Live in London, I'm Danny Berger, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Danny, thank you. Stocks also fell in Asia overnight. Japan's Nikkei led declines with a drop of more than two and a half percent. We get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index slumped as much as 2.3%, the most since June, with tech, financials and industrials the worst performing sectors. Key equity gauges in Japan and Taiwan led regional losses, sliding close to 3% each. The PBOC set the onshore yuan fix stronger for a fourth session as the offshore slid through 6.9 to the dollar for the first time in two years. And South Korea's won fell the most in 11 weeks to hold at its lowest level since April 2009. In Singapore, Juliet Sali. Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. I was staying in Asia. Economists are turning more bearish on China. According to Bloomberg's latest quarterly survey, China's economy is now projected to grow just 3.5% this year. That's down from a previous forecast of 3.9%. Economists see lingering risks as turmoil in China's property market and COVID outbreaks persist. And one other note out of Asia this morning, Karen, despite China and the U.S. reaching a preliminary deal to resolve a standoff over audits, Goldman Sachs says markets are still pricing in a 50% chance of Chinese companies being delisted from U.S. exchanges. Goldman says the risk of delisting has come down, but more still needs to be done as execution risk remains. While there is uncertainty about the future of Chinese stocks in the U.S., Nathan, meme stocks are here to stay, according to our latest survey. We get the details from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Wall Street says stocks like GameStop, AMC Entertainment, and Bed Bath & Beyond are here to stay. Nearly two-thirds of the more than 500 respondents in the latest MLive Pulse survey expect some version of the meme stock mania to stick around. Speculating in meme stocks has been painful this year, a basket of 37 retail trader favorites tracked by Bloomberg is down nearly 40 percent in 2022. The MLive Pulse survey found that while the meme stock phenomenon is likely to stick around, 69 percent said it is unlikely to see the trading volumes it did during its January 2021 high, nor are such stocks seen as a good bet for the remainder of the year. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Jeff. We're seeing Bitcoin follow stocks lower this morning. The digital tokens trading below 20,000 as concerns about Fed policy weigh on sentiment. Before this weekend, Bitcoin hadn't been below 20,000 since July 14th. It even crossed above 25,000 earlier this month. Straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
607 on Wall Street, 75 degrees in Central Park. Still got that closure on the westbound cross Bronx at White Plains Road. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. A fuel leak interrupted NASA's launch countdown for its new moon rocket early this morning, reappearing in the same place that saw seepage during a dress rehearsal back in the spring. Launch controllers halted the tanking operation, which already was running an hour late because of thunderstorms offshore. As for the excitement over the mission, Taylor Leonard helped build part of the moon rocket that will eventually put Americans back on the moon. I'm very pumped. So I was actually a part of the test team that tested the functionality of the rocket and the avionics. So it's super exciting. Um, It's like seeing your work right here, you know. It's pretty cool. NASA's Taylor Leonard. The plan is for Orion with three test dummies on board to loop around the moon and come back to Earth. The head of the International Atomic Energy Agency says that the U.N. nuclear watchdog's long-awaited expert mission to the power plant in Ukraine is now on its way. Russia and Ukraine have traded claims of strikes at or near the plant in recent days, intensifying fears that the fighting could cause a massive radiation leak. It was a violent weekend in New York City after more than a dozen people were shot, several fatally. That includes a shooting at the boardwalk on Coney Island that left one person dead and four others hurt. Police in Bend, Oregon confirmed three people are dead following a shooting at a grocery store. The male shooter killed two people at a Costco. Officers then entered the store and found the suspected shooter dead. Bend Police Chief Mike Krantz says the suspect was armed with an AR-15 style rifle. We have officers from every agency in Central Oregon, as well as the FBI, Bend Fire and Rescue, and other agencies on scene and assisting. We are very appreciative of this help. Bend Police Chief Mike Krantz. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer welcomed President Joe Biden's federal student loan forgiveness plan. Schumer urged loan processors to prepare for a wave of inquiries about the program. Call on all of the loan processors to be at the ready for the wave of calls that's starting to come in and let students know how they apply and what their rights are. Senator Schumer of New York says college used to be a ladder up, but student debt has become an anchor around the ankles of our students. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. When the Yankees were slumping, going 3-14, and 14, they were not hitting. And then they won five in a row. But those offensive woes resurfaced in Oakland. Only one hit in an 11-inning loss Saturday. Only four singles yesterday. The A's won 4-1. to one. The Yanks visit the Angels tonight. Mets managed only three hits. All of them singles against Herman Marquez and two relievers. Colorado scored in the seventh inning off Max Scherzer. And the Rockies won one nothing to salvage a game in the series. Atlanta lost in St. Louis to Mets remain three games ahead. The annual Jets-Giants preseason game not decided until the final minute. A Chris Strebler touchdown pass to Calvin Jackson and a 31-27 victory for the Jets, who went 3-0 and in the preseason. Giants were 2-1. They did not use Daniel Jones. They started Tyrod Taylor, and then he hurt his back. It's not believed to be a serious injury. Golf season ended with the Tour Championship in Atlanta and a big comeback by Rory McIlroy. Back on Thursday, he was 10 shots behind Scotty Scheffler, and he trailed by 6 when the final round began. McIlroy one by one. I wasn't really giving myself much of a chance teeing off uh, in the fourth round. I thought, you know, silver lining was I was playing in the last group so I could l- at least keep an eye on what he was doing if, if things didn't quite work out for him. And um, 
you know, thankfully I was in that last group because, you know, I was able to put some pressure on him early on. Yeah, Scheffler struggled with the 73. It's Rory's third FedEx Cup title, and that comes with the first place prize, $18 million. U.S. Open tennis begins today. Flushing Meadows, Serena Williams plays tonight. Can she beat Donka Kovinich, or will this be the final match of Serena's career? John Stash, Edward, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. S&P Futures down 36 points. Dow Futures down 262. NASDAQ futures down 137 points. The 10-year Treasury down 20, 30 seconds, yield 3.11%. Yield on the two-year now close to 3.46%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Morning clouds give way to sunshine in upper 80s today. Mostly sunny tomorrow, but a late day shower possible upper 80s. We have some storms tomorrow night, but mostly sunny again Wednesday with highs in the upper 80s. Right now, 75 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Bonds in Europe are leading a global sell-off that lifted the two-year Treasury yield to levels last seen since 2007. As European Central Bank policymakers join their Federal Reserve counterparts in signaling aggressive tightening, stocks are sinking along with U.S. futures. The dollar's climbing. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down about 39 points. Dow futures are down 274. NASDAQ futures down 144. And the DAX in Germany is down 1.4. 10-year Treasury is down 20-30 seconds, yield 3.11%. Yield on the two-year, 3.45%. NYMEX crude oil is up 7 tenths percent or 66 cents at $93.72 a barrel. COMEX gold down 9 tenths percent or $15.40 at $17.34.40 an ounce. The euro is at 0.9967 against the dollar. British pound 1.1682. And the yen at 138.52. The uh, Bitcoin this morning is down 7 tenths of a percent at $19,830. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The Artemis moon rocket launch is hoping to proceed toward a morning liftoff from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. The goal is for the Orion capsule with three test dummies on board to loop around the moon and come back to Earth. Top intelligence officials are working with the Justice Department to conduct a, quote, risk assessment to see if former President Trump's handling of classified documents found at his Mar-a-Lago home compromised national security. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the A's 4-1. The Mets lost, along with the Red Sox, Orioles, and Giants. The Nationals won. In the final preseason NFL game, the Jets beat the Giants 31-27. Tennis, the U.S. Open begins today. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. This is The Big Take, the best of Bloomberg's in-depth original reporting from around the globe. This is a really fast-moving story. It's caused a lot of outrage among investors. This is so fascinating. The market shut down in a way it's never done before. That's going to have consequences for years to come. The Big Take on Bloomberg Radio. 
It is 620 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager with a look at our big take this morning on central banks around the world showing a determination to fight inflation through higher interest rates, even as we're starting to see some signs that the price pressures around the world are at least beginning to cool off. Joining us now, one of the authors of today's big take, Bloomberg News Chief Asia Economics Correspondent Enda Curran. Enda, good morning. We're seeing it play out in the market. That the uh, that they're starting to get the message here from uh, Fed Chairman Powell and uh, the rest of the central bankers from Jackson Hole last week that their fight against inflation is far from over. You're far from over. So two things are going on here, Nate. And economists are looking at a turn in commodity markets, and what they're seeing there is oil prices obviously coming off their highs. Prices for other key commodities, say like wheat and copper, coming back. Food prices in general actually came back a lot over July. And the thinking is there that perhaps the commodity market now is signaling maybe a peak in headline inflation. But to your point, nobody is expecting those prices or, or few people are expecting those prices to come back to where they would be, say, typically around central banks targets of 2 3% anytime soon. So it's a case of maybe we're seeing a turning point for headline inflation, but nobody's nobody's saying that the global price shock is over just yet, and that's why central banks are saying what they they are saying, which is they have to keep pushing up borrowing costs, keep putting a weight on broader demand in the economy to try and get inflation back to where it should be. Well, that speaks to the challenge, doesn't it, that uh, in a large way, central banks don't have a whole lot of control about what commodity prices do, what supply chains do. No, they, they, they don't. And even when we break down this, uh, this breakdown of inflation, let's just say that the world is at a, a turning point for peak and headline inflation, for argument's sake. You only have to look around the world where you see ongoing pockets of stress. For example, Europe's chronic energy crisis. There's no, there's no let up in energy costs there. And obviously, rising interest rates can't do anything to bring down the cost of gas or other sources of energy. But this is what central bankers keep saying. They can't do that, but they can try and bring down the rest of uh, demand in the broader economy. And by doing that, you bring off price pressures, you know, across the board, so to speak. And that's what, um, that's what they're trying to do. And that's where ultimately they'll get their inflation back down to target. But as you say, it is a, it is a multi-layered story. And I think, One of the other areas that people are keeping a very close eye on is what happens in employment markets around the world. Broadly speaking, jobs markets are holding up. There are labor shortages in several major developed economies. So I think when you see data points such as this week's U.S. jobs data on Friday, these are key metrics when it comes to are we at a proper turning point in inflation? And then as such, what will that mean for borrowing costs a few months from now? Now, that was a big part of uh, Chairman Powell's short but sharp message at Jackson Hole last week. He did put a lot of focus on the labor market. What's the concern among the Fed officials that we could be uh, in the midst of a wage price spiral that's part of this inflation story? Because because they want to anger inflation expectations. Uh, central bankers aren't really fighting the prices that we're paying here and now today. It's all about medium-term expectations and longer-term expectations among consumers for where prices are going. And a big part of that is, of course, wage demand. And if you get into a cycle of wage price spirals whereby every sector and every employee and every company are looking for higher wages, that's where you start to see these uh, see this inflation spike get entrenched. And that's what in the central bankers are trying to get ahead of. Now, you mentioned the U.S. We will see the jobs out on Friday. Uh, I think if that, if that comes in on the strong side, it will certainly 
you know, adds the idea that the Fed has a lot more work to do. But if it does, if it comes in on the softer side, that might be more, that might be a bigger news story because it might suggest that a broader economy is coming off, which is what the, um, the Fed wants. It's not just the U.S., by the way. Central bankers around the world are complaining about labor shortages. In New Zealand, the central banker there recently described a chronic labor shortage, which, which is, of course, putting upward pressure on prices. And, and as I say, above all else, central bankers want to keep inflation expectations anchored. Now, thanks for this. Ed, uh, great having you on with us this morning. Enda Curran, Chief Asia Economics Correspondent for Bloomberg News, one of the authors of this morning's Bloomberg Big Take story, Breaking Inflation Fever is No Relief for Central Bank Angst. You can read more on Bloomberg.com slash Big Take or NI Big Take Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. S&P futures showing some angst this morning, down 36 points. Dow futures down 262. NASDAQ futures are lower by 136 points. Two-year Treasury yield right now, 3.45%, a 15-year high. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather turning mostly sunny today with highs in the upper 80s. Chance for a late day shower on an otherwise mostly sunny Tuesday. Upper 80s once again will be sunny upper 80s for Wednesday. Right now, 75 degrees. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things that you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers charges margin loan rates from 2.83% to 3.83%. Their clients can also earn extra income by lending their fully paid shares of stock. Rates subject to change. Learn more at ibkr.com slash compare. Up first, we're still feeling the impact of a hawkish Fed this morning. U.S. futures are falling and global stocks are at a one-month low. That's after Friday's major drop, the worst day for U.S. stocks since June 13th. The catalyst for the sell-off, Jay Powell, signaling that interest rates will stay higher. Katrina L., senior economist at Moody, says the Fed chair's comments have broad implications. The speech really brought home the fact that the Fed is taking no prisoners when it comes to wanting to fight inflation and sustainably bring it back down. As a consequence, if a recession results of that, then, I mean, so be it. Katrina L. with Moody's says the Fed is also uncomfortable with the current tight labor market. Well, meantime, Karen, one of Wall Street's biggest bears says weaker earnings, not higher rates, is the largest threat to U.S. stocks. Morgan Stanley's Michael Wilson says the path for stocks will be determined by earnings. He has repeatedly warned that the recent equity rally will be temporary due to tighter monetary policy and the outlook for corporate profits. Well, Nathan, the Wall Street sell-off is also spreading overseas. European stocks are extending last week's drop, with most indices down more than 1%. And in Asia overnight, Japan's Nikkei led declines with a drop of more than 2.5%. And economists are turning more bearish about China's economy, Karen. That's due to risks in its property market and potential COVID lockdowns. According to Bloomberg's latest quarterly survey, China's economy is now projected to grow just 3.5% this year. Tyron Cam, head of China Property at Fitch Rating, says defaults could cause even more problems. What we really need is that the government to to come in in a bigger way 
they also are now showing that they want to rely on market-based mechanism. They're not trying to bail out the sector at all costs. There remains the problems that we are, we're still monitoring. And- Tyron Cam with Fitch Ratings says he still thinks China is fully committed to stabilizing its property sector. And back here in the U.S., meme stocks are here to stay, Nathan. That's according to nearly two-thirds of the more than 500 respondents in our latest MLive Pulse survey. Respondents expect some version of the meme stock mania to stick around, even if the outlook for stocks remains bleak. And that's the five things that you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Again, futures are moving lower this morning. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thank you. 633 on Wall Street, 75 degrees in Central Park. Could still see delays after an accident investigation on the westbound Cross Bronx Expressway, but it is back open now. We'll get the details in traffic first. Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. NASA is dealing with a fuel leak as it prepares its new moon rocket for liftoff on its first test flight at Florida's Kennedy Space Center. No one is inside the Orion capsule, just three test dummies. At least one. 100,000 people are expected to watch on the beaches as the powerful rocket hopefully will lift off, including Taylor Leonard. She helped build part of the moon rocket that will eventually put Americans back on the moon. I'm really not sure what to expect. I'm kind of anticipating it myself, um, but I I think it's just going to be a lot of energy, a lot of people um, just really excited about the space program. Taylor Leonard was part of the team that tested the functionality of the rocket. Drivers' eyes on the road for school children. Students are heading back to school in some parts of the tri-state area. Children return to the classroom in Connecticut and also parts of Long Island today. The head of the International Atomic Energy Agency says that the U.N. nuclear watchdog's long-awaited expert mission to the power plant in Ukraine is now on its way. Russia and Ukraine have traded claims of strikes at or near the plant in recent days, intensifying fears that the fighting could cause a massive radiation leak. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba. We should all be united in demanding uh, one thing, the withdrawal of Russia from Zaporizhian nuclear power plant. Foreign Minister Kuleba was visiting Swedish leaders in Stockholm today. A weekend of gun violence in New York City has left more than a dozen people shot. Some incidents were fatal. A woman in Brooklyn died after she was shot in the head. At the boardwalk on Coney Island, one person was killed. Four others were shot. The gunman's still on the loose. The FBI is joining the investigation into a deadly shooting at a supermarket in Bend, Oregon. Bend Police Chief Mike Krantz says a gunman armed with an AR-15-style rifle killed at least two people inside the supermarket last night. Our hearts go out to the victims and the families in this incident. And we know that this is a frightening thing for our community and something that we would never want to happen in our city. Chief Mike Krantz says the suspected gunman was found dead at the scene when officers arrived. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 6.36 on Wall Street. John Stashauer's got the Bloomberg Sports Update. Thanks, Nathan. The Mets and Yankees yesterday combined for only one run, only seven hits. All singles for the Yankees. Second game in a row where they failed to hit a 4-1 loss in Oakland. So a split of the four-game series. Aaron Judge yesterday 0 for 4, three strikeouts. Tampa Bay won its game in Boston. The Rays are seven and a half games 
behind the Yanks. Mets still lead the Braves by three. Atlanta lost in St. Louis. The Mets lost to the Rockies one to nothing. Can't play Max Scherzer. He struck out 11, but beaten by Colorado's Herman Marquez. The Mets are off tonight. And then the Dodgers come to town. L.A. 50 games over 500. Jets and Giants tied four different times. Jets scored in the final minute. They won 31 to 27. The Jets used three quarterbacks. Joe Flacco threw an early pick six. It was Chris Strebler who threw the game-winning TD pass to Calvin Jackson. The same thing happened two weeks ago. The Giants did not use Daniel Jones, and then Tyrod Taylor hurt his back. Not believed to be a serious injury. The third stringer, Davis Webb, came in. He went 30-38. to What a win for Rory McIlroy. He has had some disappointments in majors, but he's now won the FedEx Cup title three times at the season-ending tour championship in Atlanta. McIlroy had to dig out of a big hole. Incredible day, incredible week. You know, four over through two holes, uh, a ten shots out of the lead at that point to to claw my way back and end up winning the winning the tournament. Um, incredible, just a uh, just a real um, you know, really proud of my resilience. And Rory finished twenty one under par, one by one, won eighteen million dollars. Will tonight be the last time we see Serena Williams? It's her first round match of the U.S. Open, which is the final tournament of her career. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta is watching a lot of stocks move lower on the back of Chairman Powell's comments. Kriti, good morning. Good morning. A lot of a broad market sell-off and that really is going to be the theme of the day. Even overnight in Asia, you did see essentially just investors catching up to what you saw on Friday. So I guess the question is... Uh, how much of the hangover is going to continue in the equity market. A good proxy for that is going to be Apple shares. AAPL is your ticker. Shares are down 1.2% in the pre-market. And I love to look at the specific proxy, Nathan, because of course we know that Apple is going to be the consumer proxy. Everyone uses an iPhone. It uses a luxury product, especially uh, in the United States. So this is going to be something significant when it comes to the growth of the economy driven by consumer spending. But people also look at it for the rates factor, the idea that higher rates or even a stronger dollar is going to affect the bottom line of, of a lot of these big tech names, not just Apple. And then you have a third kind of proxy here as well, the idea that Apple has a lot of exposure to China. So as you see China return to some of its kind of uh, COVID policy that it had seemed to be loosening just a touch, looks like it's going back on it. All of those factors are going to show up in Apple shares right now. So AAPL, once again, is a proxy for broader tech under a, a little bit of pressure this morning. Yeah, along with the rest of the tech sector more broadly. Interesting to see, even when we are seeing all this selling, Creedy, that uh, when you look at our MLive Pulse survey, the latest one, a lot of investors we talked to are thinking the meme stock frenzy is here to stay. Yeah, a little bit of deja vu from the start of 2021. Who thought that we would still be here a year and a half later? Bed Bath & Beyond is serving to be uh, the poster child for that story, at least this time around. BBBY is your ticker. Shares are actually up 2.6%. It really shows you, Nathan, as you justly pointed out, that in a kind of market where a lot of risk-off sentiment is driving a lot of the sales, well, the retail uh, folks are still actually able to push up those single names. And this is going to be significant as we talk about whether or not a rally in the equity market is actually sustainable because there are arguments and there are some data out there that this last rally that we've seen has mostly been driven by retail sailors, uh, traders, excuse me, um, and that is going to actually perhaps not be sustainable as they revert back to investing in single names instead of the macrosphere. Nevertheless, today, BBBY up 2.6%. 
In the last few seconds here, Creedy, how are uh, crypto-related stocks doing with Bitcoin back below 20000 now? Well, back below 20000 and some of the pain is being magnified in the cryptocurrency because if you look at what's happening with Bitcoin on a percentage basis, it's not that big of a move. But then you take a look at some of the miners, RIOT, for example, for Riot Blockchain, it's down 3.2%. So once again, a, a little bit of a magnification of what you're seeing in crypto. All right, Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta with us this morning as we continue to watch the selling. S&P futures down 34 points now. Dow futures down 248. NASDAQ futures lower by 130 points. That's a drop of 1%. 10-year Treasury is down 19, 30 seconds. The yield 3.11%. And the yield on the two-year up to 3.45%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather turning mostly sunny today, upper 80s. Could see a late day shower, otherwise mostly sunny tomorrow, upper 80s once again. And we'll be in the upper 80s, mostly sunny Wednesday as well. Right now, 75 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And futures are falling this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are under pressure after Friday's sell-off with Dow futures down 252 points. S&P's dropped 35, while NASDAQ futures are down by 130. The U.S. 10-year yield at 3.12%. Note the two-year yield hit its highest level since 2007. Gold is down 12, oil trading higher, and Bitcoin falls below 20,000. Japan dropped 2.6% overnight, while European markets are also in the red this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 1030, the Dallas Fed. In other news, Goldman Sachs said recent drops in commodities offer a, a great entry point, while European gas, natural gas futures plunge 20%. Wrapping things up, Dow Inc. was cut to underweight over at KeyBank. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. A federal judge will hear arguments on Thursday about possibly appointing an outsider to look at classified documents that ex-President Trump claims are covered under executive privilege. Separately, intelligence agency specialists are looking at possible national security risks involved in Trump's taking and handling of classified material. U.S. Navy warships traveled through the Taiwan Strait for the first time since House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to the self-ruled island, testing ties between Washington and Beijing. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the A's 4-1. The Mets lost along with the Red Sox, Orioles, and Giants. The Nationals won. In the final preseason NFL game, the Jets beat the Giants 31-27. Tennis today! It's the U.S. Open that starts. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. The following commentary is from Bloomberg Opinion. New York is beating Texas in carbon-free electricity, but maybe not for long. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. New York and other northeastern states have some of the nation's smallest per-person carbon footprints. Residents live less energy-intensive lives and work in less energy-intensive industries, 
Electricity generation is light on coal and reasonably heavy on emissions-free sources such as hydropower. Because of nuclear plant closures, the Northeast has become more dependent on fossil fuels over the past decade, though. And a recent MIT study projected that without emissions limits, the region's power supply will just keep getting more carbon intensive. By contrast, Texas, because it's so well-suited for solar and wind energy, was projected to see a 78% decline in carbon dioxide emissions per kilowatt hour. Northeastern states are enacting tough climate policies, so emissions will decline. But it may be tough to keep up with Texas. I'm Justin Fox. For more opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. It is 6.50 on Wall Street, and we turn to news and science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT is dedicated to bolstering support for female and Minority students pursuing careers in high-paying STEM industries. Learn more at njit.edu. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. A fuel leak interrupted NASA's launch countdown for its new moon rocket early today, reappearing in the same place that saw seepage during a dress rehearsal back in the spring. The 322-foot rocket is the most powerful ever built by NASA, outmuscling even the Saturn V that carried astronauts to the moon a half century ago. This test flight is successful would put a crew capsule into lunar orbit for the first time in 50 years. The next launch attempt wouldn't be until Friday at the earliest. In California, Governor Gavin Newsom has introduced a bill to keep the state's last nuclear plant open. Newsom argues that keeping PG&E's Diablo Canyon plant operating past its planned closure in 2025 is needed as the state transitions away from fossil fuels. Still, Newsom's fellow Democrats in the legislature are skeptical. And if history is any indication could be a tough September for Apple investors. The iPhone maker stock has declined in seven of the past 10 September since 2012. It has lost 1.6 percent on average. By the way, Apple's 20 percent stock climb this quarter is nearly triple that of the S&P 500 index. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. All right, Karen. Thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios where it is 652 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include a bold prediction from Democratic National Committee Chairman Jamie Harrison ahead of the November midterms. The Democrats are going to keep their majorities in the House, that they're going to grow the majorities in the United States Senate, and we're going to pick up some governor's mansions along the way. Jamie Harrison tells CBS has faced the nation. Abortion rights and the new climate and tax law will put voters on their side. But Republican Senator Roy Blunt sees a potential Achilles heel for Democrats in President Biden's student loan relief. I just thought it was monumentally unfair, unfair uh, to people who didn't go to college because they didn't think they could afford it, unfair to people who had paid their loans back, unfair to people who got uh, higher education in an area that the government didn't make loans. But for progressive Senator Bernie Sanders... I don't hear any of these Republicans squawking where we give massive tax breaks to billionaires, where major corporations, you don't pay a nickel in federal taxes. That's okay. 
But suddenly when we do something for working people, it is a terrible idea. Senator Sanders and Blunt were on ABCs this week. Also making news, a federal judge leaning toward an independent review of documents taken from former President Donald Trump's home in Florida. That's after a heavily redacted affidavit showed hundreds of pages of highly classified documents seized there this year. Republican Congressman and Trump critic Adam Kinzinger tells NBC's Meet the Press. If any of us walked out intentionally with even one document from the stiff, which is where we can go see classified documents at, and... You know, our organization came to us, the House came to us and said, you got to give this document back. And we refused to do it for years. Uh, We'd be in real trouble. Meet the Press this week and Face the Nation can all be heard every Sunday right here on Bloomberg Radio. Let's get more on all the political news happening this morning from the nation's capital. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins joins us. So, yeah, Emily, Democrats are sounding pretty confident ahead of the midterms. At the same time, one other thing we heard from another of the Sunday shows is some pretty tough talk from a progressive Democrat when it comes to the Fed going tough on inflation. Yeah, Senator Elizabeth Warren is not happy with the Fed's announcement on Friday. Uh, remember, J- Jerome Powell, of course, gave his much-anticipated speech in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and really signaled that the Fed's going to continue its aggressive series of interest rate hikes and keep rates elevated. Warren says that this is going to hurt jobs, uh, that this is going to hurt small businesses. Uh, she says that she's worried that this could potentially lead to a recession. And instead of our current economy, where you've got high inflation and low unemployment, that you could potentially see a scenario where it's both high inflation and high employment. Now, the Fed has really pushed back on this idea that they're going to lead to a recession. Uh, Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic, he told Bloomberg Television just last week that the economy has to weaken first before inflation begins to move down. And so you see the Fed really kind of sticking with the plan that they have. But then at the same point, you are hearing, at least from, from one senator, uh, a lot of concerns that what their moves are, are, are doing are is actually going to lead the country in the wrong direction. And another point of debate for several other senators, Emily, and adding to the debate about inflation is uh, President Biden's student loan relief and whether that's going to add to price pressures. Absolutely. I mean, you heard those concerns from from economists Larry Summers and Jason Furman. Uh, but now you're also hearing them from a number of Democrats who are in very tough Senate races. Uh, Tim Ryan, he's running for uh, the Senate seat in Ohio as a Democrat. He's kept his distance from Biden throughout most of this race. And he really took the issue of the student loan forgiveness uh, to kind of come out and say, look, College is too high. We do need to find a way to reduce the price of college, um, but that, you know, this isn't the way to do it. There's a lot of concern that, you know, there are many folks out there who did not go to college either because they felt they couldn't afford it or because they took a job that did not require a college education. Lots of blue collar workers who are now having to see their ta- their taxpayer dollars go and forgive folks who had gone to college. It's not just uh, Tim Ryan either. You've also seen criticism uh, in Nevada. There's a competitive Senate race there from uh, current Democratic Senator Catherine Cortez Masto and also Michael Bennett of Colorado, another sitting Democratic senator who says that he does not agree with Biden's plan. So this is really something where you are seeing a number of lawmakers in these competitive states kind of recognize that, that you know this is something they're not going to be aligned on the administration with. This is something where they're openly pushing back against Biden.
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to continue to watch that as we get ever closer to the November midterm election. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with us this morning, as always. And you can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal and follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Markets this morning moving lower, adding to their losses after Fed Chair Jay Powell's hawkish message from Jackson Hole. We have S&P futures right now down 36 points. Dow futures down 265. NASDAQ futures are lower by 134 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 16, 30 seconds. The yield 3.10%. Yield on the two-year, 3.44%. Quick look at Bitcoin still trading below 20000 $19,800. Bloomberg Surveillance is next. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.